This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Brewers on Tap. It is great to have you with us as the Brewers with another weekend. Yes, they resumed play earlier this week, and the crew able to get a couple of victories on the road in Chicago against the Chicago White Sox on Wednesday and Thursday. The crew, of course, got the schedule started back up on Monday after having that uh, weekend series against the Cardinals postponed. The home opener on Friday postponed. Saturday and Sunday subsequently also postponed. And so the home opener ended up being on Monday against the White Sox. Brewers dropped both home games in the four-game series to Chicago, but went down to guaranteed right field and took the next two on Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday was a one nothing shutout victory. Adrian Hauser was lights out. He goes seven innings, gives up five hits, gives up no runs, and was really outstanding. Had that sinker really working. He really was competent in his curveball. Got the slider going a little bit as the game went along as well. Just a tremendous outing out of him. Got a scoreless inning from David Phelps and then got a scoreless inning from Josh Hader uh, to finish off that one nothing shutout victory of the White Sox on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, the crew opened up the scoring a little bit with an 8-3 win over the White Sox, got the offense going. Christian Yelich, after a day off Wednesday, was back in the lineup on Thursday. He got on base five times. He went one for two officially with an inside-the-park home run. He drew four walks, starting to get himself on base a little bit. Hopefully Yelich comes alive, and this offense should follow suit at that point. Here's what we have for you on Brewers on Tap. We're excited about it. We have uh, a conversation with Brent Suter that we're going to let you listen in on. I am doing something new uh, throughout the week now on Mondays and Wednesdays at 12.30 p.m. We hope that you'll start tuning into it. We're doing Zoom calls where you can get on, you can watch former players, current players live as I sit and interview them, and you can ask some questions yourself through the Q&A function on your Zoom application or on the web if you log into Zoom on the web and watch these calls. And so had Brent Suter on on Wednesday, you're going to get a chance to, to listen into some of that conversation between Brent Suter and myself. Not the entire thing, but I'm going to bring some of that to you here today on the podcast. And also, Adrian Hauser joined me on Brewers on Tap to talk about uh, his outing and his start to the year. He's thrown 12 innings now, given up one run, and allowed just six hits. He has been outstanding. We're talking a lot about what Brandon Woodruff has been doing to start the year. Perhaps we're not talking nearly enough about what Adrian Hauser has done to start the year. And I had a chance to sit down with him, talk about his start on Wednesday night. Let's break it down. A little bit more traditional start than your first one of the year where you had the, the rain delay and then came back out. 
but overall you had to feel good from the jump, right? Yeah, you know, uh, being able to get the double play in the first inning and, you know, Manny, Manny getting that throw, you know, it was a good start to the game and got uh, hit the ground running and, you know, just stayed on the attack mode. What did you feel the most comfortable with early? It looked like you had most everything really going and it felt like you found the curveball a little bit more as the game went along. Yeah, you know, early early on, it was definitely the sinker. You know, the sinker was working well, and, you know, I was going heavy with that. Slider was a little off, you know, pulling it a little bit, and it started to come around a little bit late, and definitely the curveball. Curveball was good pretty much all night and started using it more late and was real effective with it. Uh, they had bat in the sixth inning against Abreu. You got him down 0-2. You got a runner at third. It was really the only stress maybe of the entire night that you found yourself in, and, and you broke off the curveball, got the swing and the miss. Uh, Couple of things there. It's O2, so you're you're hoping you can put something out of the zone and get him to chase. But at the same time, with a runner at third, you're trying to be careful. A lot of confidence in Manny Pena in that spot for you too. Oh yeah, you know he, Manny was great back there last night. We had a good game plan. We stuck to it and we attacked. And you know he did very well back there. And you know that at bat, you know we we're just trying to attack and we knew what we wanted to do from the get go. And you know the curveball was feeling really good, and I, we both felt really confident with the curveball in that situation. This is a really tough lineup. I mean, this is a White Sox team. The numbers prove it. They've had a, a really good year offensively. Do you take any more satisfaction in that, that you were able to throw seven shutout against an offense that's one of the best in baseball so far? Yeah, you know, it's a tough lineup. There's not really any give in there. You know, each at-bat's going to be a tough at-bat. You know, they're going to battle you to the end. And, you know, being able to do that against a team like that is definitely a confidence booster. Do you feel like you've taken that that next step? I mean, whatever whatever that means, but uh, you certainly have have developed beyond the guy that uh, was up in 2018. Definitely the guy that was up in 2016. It seems like you're getting more and more confident with every outing right now. Yeah, you know, just taking every outing and just building off of that. You know, just trying to stay stay up and you know just stay confident and you know just put together good outings for the guys and. Whenever I come off the mound, I just want to be able to put the team in situation to win. After the sixth inning last night, you looked frustrated. I, I, I wasn't sure exactly what it was that you were frustrated with. I don't know if it was yourself or what. Obviously, you were pitching really well, but I know you wanted to go as deep as you possibly could in the game. Was it just that Mankata was able to get the infield single and it extended the inning, and then you had to throw some more pitches, and that might meant you couldn't go CG or even eighth complete? No, I was just more uh, frustrated with myself and uh, some pitch selection to a few hitters. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really wanting to do that and, you know, just kind of did it anyway. And, but felt like I should have been a little bit more in attack mode on some pitches. But, you know, that was pretty much all I was mad about was myself. What is it like, right? I mean, you're going through all these protocols. And, and, and so to get locked in to be the starting pitcher for a game, is it much different? than it normally would be for you in terms of your daily routine and how much you've had to adjust it on, on a day that it's, it's your ball? Uh, you know, it's a little bit different, uh, you know, with the clubhouses being the way they are, distance from each everybody and stuff like that. But, you know, I think for the most part, getting ready before the game is pretty similar to how it would be in a regular season. But the big difference is not having the crowd out there when you're warming up before the game and just like the buzz of the crowd, you know, getting you going getting you a little more amped up for the game, you know, kind of missing that buzz. But, you know, for the most part, it's, it's pretty pretty normal getting ready for games. You mentioned Manny Pena and, and him being able to throw out Robert on the base fest, trying to steal second in the first inning and how that kind of got you going a little bit. You had some great defense behind you all night long. A bunch of double plays turned as well. 
yeah, you know, I, I love letting those guys do the, do what they're supposed to do and let them work behind me. I like, uh, you know, trying to get early outs and getting ground balls like that. You know, they, you know, they did a heck of a job last night. And, you know, I couldn't be more happy with that. Yeah, three double plays in all when it was all said and done. Seven innings, seven shutout innings from you last night. Uh, just a tremendous outing. And congratulations on it. And keep the momentum rolling, Adrian. Thank you. Yes, definitely. Okay, thank you to Adrian Hauser for joining us on Brewers on Tap. We certainly appreciate it. He is a guy that is exciting for this Brewers rotation. It's starting to really come into form. You think about Woodruff and then Hauser, and then you think about Josh Lindblom and what he's going to be able to do. Eric Lauer is going to go tonight. I'm excited to see what Eric Lauer can bring to the table. Corbin Burns has shown some signs. Not saying that Burns is necessarily going to be in the rotation, but there's some pieces here for Craig Council to move around, and I think it's an exciting potential rotation for the Brewers and just a pitching staff in general before it's all said and done. Another member of that pitching staff is Brewers reliever left-hander Brent Suter and I told you we're doing clubhouse conversations now for 30 minutes at a time Mondays and Wednesdays at 1230. We've got Cecil Cooper coming up this Monday on our Zoom call on clubhouse conversations but this past Wednesday it was Brent Suter and we sat down and we talked about a whole host of different topics. We're excited to have you, and thank you for giving us the time today. You're in Chicago getting ready to continue this uh, split series of the White Sox, two at home Monday and Tuesday, and now a couple at guaranteed rate in Chicago tonight and tomorrow. So thanks for, for taking the time for us. I know this is kind of a it's, – it's a crazy stretch right now, and everybody's trying to do the best they can with it. How, how has the adjustment gone from your standpoint personally? Uh, do you feel like you're starting to get a good feel for all the protocols and – and make this as, as normal as it can be now? Yeah, uh, I think it really helped in summer camp. Everything was really smooth, and the protocols were straightforward. Uh, guys did a good job abiding by them. So um, on the road, it's a little different, and uh, d certainly different than it's been in uh, my whole career, but um, just different than at home. You know, you're not really supposed to leave your hotel room. Uh, just trying to order – I've ordered more room service this year than I have ever in my life. So. Uh, but uh, besides that, you know, we're getting we're getting uh, used to it. Uh, certainly the Cardinal series being postponed was kind of yeah. a weird, you know, kind of a smack in the face of reality of this thing. Um, but other than that, it's been pretty smooth sailing for the most part. You know, I mean, it's just it is weird having no fans there. You know, kind of it's one of your favorite parts of the game is the excitement of the fans and all the energy. And so that's just kind of replaced by fan noise, which is good but it's, it's just not the same so it's uh definitely just in some some ways dare i say i mean you've been sitting in the hotel room you're that's pretty much where you spend your time on the road dare i say you were actually looking forward to getting on here and talking with me today like this is one of those things hey i get to do something different this will be fun yeah for I'm sure like giving myself <laughs> too much credit <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah all the Netflix and books can uh, wait if I'm actually talking with human beings. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I want to jump into something uh, right out of the gate, which is I, I think it's it's been interesting. What a year to be the player rep uh, for the Brewers, uh, for the MLBPA. And it's a great honor. I think anybody that, that gets this honor is uh, they take it very seriously. And I know that you do. What has this been like? I have to imagine it's been just an unprecedented year to be the player rep. And, and how have you been able to communicate everything with your teammates and, and try to bring their concerns to the table? What, what's this experience been like for you? 
Yeah, um, it's been a lot, um, but it's been really good learning experience. Uh, I've done the best I could. You know, it was my first year, so I didn't have like a ton of experience. You know, obviously, very little experience with the union calls and uh, the group text to guys. I was just kind of a recipient uh, and been the sender, but now getting the guys' messages to the union and the union's messages to the guys, um, it's been a lot of a lot of calls, a lot of texts, but um, it's been well worth it to keep the guys informed and keep everyone. You know, knowledgeable of what's going on. Um, I think I've, I didn't re really receive hardly any in my like first three or four years in the big leagues from union reps. Like it was just kind of everything was more self-explanatory. But now, I mean, I, I I sent more in the first week of being a union rep than I feel like I've got the whole <laughs> my whole career. So it's it's been a definitely a whirlwind year to be a player rep, and uh, a lot of guys have been saying that. But uh, I'm glad I'm glad I uh, I'm glad I can do it. Hey, obviously, there's player up from every team, and there's guys that you're familiar with or that you've gotten to know maybe through the process. Have you shared stories from, with, with other reps from around the league of, of how you have handled things within your own team and, 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 and vice versa? Yeah, a little bit. Um, certainly the calls provide a good platform for that, but then some text with got, uh, the other reps and all that um, and them bouncing ideas off the union calls and then me doing the same. So, yeah, it's been – learning a lot that way. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, face-to-face -face interaction, obviously it's been very limited, but I feel like I've got to know um, all the player reps just because we've been on so many calls together. Is it wild to think, Brent, that uh, you made your debut in late 2016 in Seattle? I think it was in August, if memory serves me correct. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't feel like that long ago. And yet now you're kind of one of the veterans of this group. I mean, you're one of the leaders of this team in many ways, as we said, I mean, you're the player rep. Uh, you, there's some leadership responsibility that naturally comes with that. Is it kind of wild that from the day you made your debut to today, now you're kind of one of the guys in, in the clubhouse that has a lot of responsibility from that standpoint? Yeah, certainly uh, crazy to think about, um, but also very grateful to think about. You know, it's it's really hard to get to the big league. It's, and a lot of people say it's even harder to stick around. So uh, the fact that I'm still here, I'm very grateful for that and have had a lot of teammates that have been here uh, for a long time with me. So that's really cool. Um, and all the guys that have come through and, and have been awesome. So I, I can't, can't be thankful enough for all the great experiences and friendships I've made. And uh, yeah, to be one of the leaders now it's it's crazy to wrap my head around but I guess here we are this is it if, if you have questions for Brent you can absolutely um, submit those via the Q&A uh, feature here on this zoom call so we would welcome any and all questions to to Brent over the course of the next uh, 20 minutes or so uh, we'll try to get as many of those in as we possibly can we have a couple that have already come in we'll get to those in just a moment last night you got a chance to throw two innings one hit three strikeouts your best outing of the year so far that had to feel really good to kind of get things going in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, first, first couple outings, I just had like two batters. It seemed that I just had a brain fart on both those outings and it kind of ruined the outing. Um, and for one of the games blew a lead, you know, which was really heavy, but um, you know, that happens. It's baseball. It's, it's a tough game, but last night to finally get a cleaner outing, I still threw, still threw one into the dugout on that play. <laughs> but uh that, that happens too, but I uh, was able to fortunately keep him off the scoreboard. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, we had a chance to win. Uh, we had base runners. So that, I mean, that's all we can ask for. We, we're going to get that big hit. It's just uh, sticking with the process. And, uh, but yeah, it was per on a personal level, it felt 
good to kind of have finally something to build off of. I think what the fans appreciate about you, Brent, is that, I mean, you, you wear it on your sleeve, right? You made that throw last night and you immediately were like, oh, and you, you, I mean, you were, you were visibly so upset with yourself that you didn't just eat the baseball and put it in your pack, back pocket. Yeah. I mean, it would have been, the guy's really fast. Luis Roberts really fast. So yeah. right off the bat, like I had to make a clean play and I still might not have gotten him. Um, but the fact that I bobbled it and then still tried to throw it, wouldn't have gotten him. And then when you bobble it, you're not going to get a good throw off. Odds are so, just a just a stupid stupid play. But uh, like I said, very very fortunate that they didn't come in and score. I want to ask you about Harvard. Uh, I know you get asked about it a lot uh, naturally because it's 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 unique and there aren't a lot of guys from Harvard that end up in the, in in MLB. Before we get into your time at Harvard, I want to ask you this: Where was it if not Harvard? What were the other schools that you were looking at? Um. You know, I was looking a little bit at Xavier in Cincinnati. MIT and Emory were, showed some interest. We both – we had interest in, in both of those schools too. So um, – and then it was – I was talking to Penn a little bit, um, but mostly it was like Big Ten walk-ons. Like uh, Indiana and Penn State had yep. like some walk-on spots they were looking to give me. But really it was – Harvard was by far the most interested, and uh, I was the most interested in Harvard as well. So it became really good – Really lucky and fortunate match that uh, you know, it was a great blessing in my life for sure. What's it? I mean, I, I can kind of identify because I went to the Harvard of the Plains, like every college claims that it is. Right, right. The, the, the University of South Dakota, you might have heard of it. Yes. Um, I think they're the Harvard of Vermilion, South Dakota, and that might be the, that might be the extent of it, but that's fine. Uh, so I can identify. What is it like to go to Harvard and walk around on campus and be in the classroom and live in the dorms? I mean, I'm, I'm sure to a degree, it's just like going to any other college, but it's so prestigious. It has the name in the entire country in terms of higher education. I, do, do you think about that a lot while you're walking around on campus? Oh, yeah. Uh, especially freshman year when you're living in Harvard Yard. I mean, you feel like you're living in a museum almost like there's tourists all over the place and you walk around and like, oh, this guy did this before coming here. This girl did this before coming here. It's like crazy talented uh people um all around you and it's it's a little intimidating at first for sure uh once you get in the classroom and you're like looking next to you and this person's like digesting this new material in real time and you're like well, I'm not even knowing what he's talking about here like uh so it was it was definitely intimidating um at some points but um certainly having the baseball team there was awesome like had an immediate group of friends to kind of navigate everything with and um, made it so much easier in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, I had made some friends for life there. It was, an, it was an incredible experience. You are 30. I think you turned 31 later this month, if uh, memory serves yep. me right. Um, so, I mean, guys and gals that you went to school with at Harvard, they, they're out now. They've accomplished some things. Mm -hmm. who, who, you're a major league baseball player, so you have, you know, a pretty good story to tell. But who of your classmates, somebody that you remember, has gone on and accomplished something incredible? I mean, have you had some like, oh, man, I can't believe they've already done this? Yeah. Um, I've had, yeah, quite a, quite a few. Um, one of my really good friends is a, is a doctor who's like on the front lines of COVID right now and doing yeah. some really incredible research. So that was most on my mind of like, right. wow, he's really doing, being a hero. Um, doing some great things. A lot of guys are moving up. Like a lot of guys on the baseball team ended up going in New York for like 
investment banking and then trying to get into private equity. So a lot of guys are moving up the chain that way very, very quickly. So um, that's really cool to see. Um, just hope they're doing it in environmentally friendly ways. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, um, just a lot of doctors too. A lot of lawyers, yeah. a lot of doctor friends. Um, but yeah, probably the, my friend on the front lines of COVID is one of the most impressive or just like means a lot to me. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I want to get into the, the fun side of room and we've kind of got into the serious stuff here to start with, but I, I want to get in, you're one of the personalities. I don't think just on the brewers, but I think in baseball and you have always been comfortable having fun and being yourself, which is great for the game. And I think everybody embraces that and is appreciative of the fact that you are that way. When did you know you could do so many impersonations? Cause you really have, I mean, you have a bunch of them. Uh, I think the one, you know, that we, we have the most fun with most frequently is Jim Carrey, but you do call him, uh, which is funny uh, as well from uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, right? That's what Gollum's yeah, from. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you, you do a great Ed Cedar. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's quite a list. You do a Raptor physically, which is, I mean, it just shows <laughs> versatility that you have. When did you kind of start knowing, Hey, I'm pretty good at doing impersonations of different people. Um, so I, I started doing them a little bit in high school, but just like, you know, our, our basketball coach in high school, you kind of talk like this. So a lot of people, a lot of people did his impression. It was a very unique voice. Um, and then college did, did some, but I think it was more when I met Tim Dillard um, in 2014, when he first came to us. And I remember Sean Halton who played for the Brewers back in the day was talking about like, Hey man, if you ever get the chance to be a teammate with Tim Dillard, embrace every second. Cause that guy's hilarious and awesome. So, uh Got to meet him in 2014, and about the next week after meeting him, I started, or maybe it was the next day after asking him, start uh, meeting him, started asking him about his impressions and all that, and he started going through all his, and it was just had me on the floor rolling, and uh, I was like, if I can do impressions half as good as that guy, I would be very happy, and that's where I'm, I'm about half as good right now, so I'm, I'm pretty happy. He's like baseball's Will Ferrell in a lot of right. ways. Like he's really good at physical comedy. I mean, he's yeah. funny. But he does great with the whole physical comedy side of it, too, which is an yeah. underrated part of yep. the game. And then, really, you're very good at the physical part of it, too, which is, again, it's, it's I think, what really makes people uh, lose themselves in laughter when they see some of the stuff that you do. He, now, I talked to him maybe three weeks ago, and, and I asked him if he deserves the credit for the nickname The Raptor for you. And he kind of deflected. He, he felt like it was just more organic that, you know, you guys did this video and it just kind of came out of that. But you kind of credit him for the nickname the Raptor. Oh right? yeah, yeah, That's it was all, I, yeah, it was all him. He, I would be running sprints in the outfield, and you know I had like that up uphill run going on, and he, he just I, every time went, you know what I mean would do like a Raptor sound, and he'd start calling me the Raptor, and then I was in his videos, and then soon it was I was the Raptor. So I mean. He has to take, like, it's his credit to take. If he doesn't want to take it, that's fine. But it's Tim Diller. <laughs> Tim Diller started You work really fast. That's Everybody knows that about you and your style on the mound. When did you start working that fast? How did you figure out that this was going to be an effective way for you to pitch? And, um, you know, what's the most unique thing that's ever happened with you working that quickly? Yeah. Um, so – probably in like senior college, I started picking up the pace a little bit. I was, wasn't a slow worker before that, but our coach John Burwell came in and said, Hey, 
our motto is going to be work quick, throw strikes, attack the zone. Um, and so I kind of bought into that and it, it helped for sure. I was able to keep my defense on the toe, their toes and keep the hitter a little bit more defensive just because of pace. And then throughout the minor leagues, I just kind of kept seeing how fast I could go while also being in control of the game. Um, and it still comes back to bite me every now and then when I let, when I don't control the pace, like that Pittsburgh outing last week where all of a sudden I was like five pitches in and bases were low to no out. So like, Sometimes after one guy gets on, I just need to like breathe and slow the game down. But in general, if I'm keeping the my foot on the gas pedal and uh, keeping the pace quick, I can get efficient outs, get the team back in the dugout and ready to hit and keep momentum on our side. So it's really been kind of a, an evolving thing since my senior year of college. You faced Judge in 17 at Yankee Stadium. And it's, my, it's one of my favorite at-bats that I've ever called because – you, you were really good that day, and you were giving the Yankees all sorts of issues, and you could just tell. You could physically see it, their body language. They, they were not comfortable with how quickly you were working, and Judge just finally decided, I'm not getting out of the box, and he just stayed in there, and right. he never really right. moved. And it was like yeah. two young kids playing the game on the sandlot again. It's, it's what it felt like. <laughs> it was fun at bat. How well do you remember that at bat? And yeah, I, think, I, I think he went one for two that day. You struck him out once maybe, and he maybe drew yeah. a walk once uh, in, that, in that, that game total. But, uh, th I mean, that was so much fun. Did, were, were you enjoying it? Did you realize at the moment, like, oh, he's not even going to get out of the box. This is kind of cool. Yeah, I realized it uh, right away. Yeah, I remember that day really well. It was a fun, fun moment for sure, um, playing the Yankee Stadium for the first time and all that uh, with all the history there. So, uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of guys actually have, done that since or several I remember Bregman my first outing back for TJ last year first at bat he was like kept on getting frustrated by the quick pace and then the next at bat he just stood in there just like uh Judge did and Joey Votto does the same thing oftentimes so it seems like a couple guys just like make the adjustment and just kind of stay right in there ready um which I'm I'm fine with I'm I'm, I'm enjoying the quick pace too so I, the quicker they go the quicker I can go I guess so um I certainly the Sox White Sox tried to slow, do some uh, slowing down. So some teams will try to call time, like just take their yeah. time getting in there. And I'm fine with that. You know, they got to get ready too. But uh, once um says go, I'm, I'm going to try to pitch, pitch quick. So, uh, yeah, that, certainly that judge at bat was a memorable one. And thank you to Brent Suter for joining us on Brewers on Tap. That is going to do it for us and this week's edition of Brewers on Tap. The Brewers home against the Reds this weekend. Then another three-game series with the Twins Monday through Wednesday. And then they go on the road for a long road trip. The Cubs will be first up on that road trip. We'll talk to you as that series gets started next week. Have a great one, everybody. Stay healthy and go crew. I'm Lane Grindle. Brewers, Brewers.